and uh, got there, and uh, the inspector came out and found out it was Bibles. And he said, uh, we don't need that many Bibles in Iraq. Now, this was the second container like that we'd shipped, besides the ones that we took over uh, when I went in. And he said, uh, because we don't have that many Christians here. And uh, there, there's where it stood. I mean, you know, his, his word he thought was the final authority. And he wasn't going to let them be, uh, be he was going to have to ship them back or destroy them. And uh, uh, the man who was in charge of getting them in there for us started searching around, and he uh, somehow he told some Catholic uh, that uh, that that's what they had said, and that he went he went to the bishop over all of Iraq. He went to the Catholic bishop and told him said uh, they said that we can't get our Bibles in because there's not that many Christians in Iraq. And the Catholic bishop blew his stack. He got mad. And he called up the called up the man, whoever it was, got him on the phone and said, You're a liar, we need them Bibles in Iraq. You let them in. So he opened it up and let us let us take them in because of the Catholic bishop. You know, the Lord will use anybody, right? Amen. And sometimes he uses uh sources and powers that uh we are not really uh expecting. And uh so it was the Catholic bishop that got her. I don't go around telling everybody that, but it, uh, that, uh, to me that's a, that was a real blessing to think that God would do it that way, and he did do it that way. And Now, all of those Bibles have been distributed. So, you know, uh, there's, they say that probably three or four homes will have one Bible. One Bible will minister to probably three or four families. already in our storehouse, and uh, we've got 30,000 more coming, so they get the thousands, they get coming, and we're going to use them both in the United States and in Georgia. We'd like to be able to get a lot of them into uh, the Gaza Strip, and we're working on that. Hopefully, we can get some of them into Gaza. Wouldn't that be something? It's the book of John, and it's uh, a paraglot. Uh, I think I'm saying that right. A paraglot, which is both English and Arabic, side by side. And uh, with a lot of comments in it uh, by a Baptist preacher in Chicago. So we really feel like that that portion of Scripture is going to do a lot of good. And so pray for us, if you would, please. Continue to pray for us that we can get the gospel in there. It looks to me like, I mean, it's... Uh, somehow, I don't know how it's happened, but... I think the devil has had something to do with the war over there. It seems to have uh, have uh, escalated into a, almost a Vietnam situation where we can't win. I, I hate that. I really hate that. Uh, we uh, we could have won, and probably still would if they would uh, really get in there and deal with the thing with uh, some authority and power. But uh, the uh, situation is very bad. 
and they're talking about America leaving because of all the people dying over there. But it's not Americans that are killing them. They're killing one another. And uh, whenever America leaves, there's going to be a terrible bloodbath. And uh, I would have no idea how many thousands, maybe millions, will die uh, if America pulls out. But it looks like that Bush is going to going to capitulate uh, to uh, to the uh, Democrats and uh, liberals and pull out of uh, out of Iraq. And if he does, then uh, all the stuff that we have done over there is going to be going to be uh, hindered in a great way. So please pray that uh, that something would happen. You know, uh, I talked to a young man uh, a couple weeks ago. And he said he killed four terrorists while he was in in Iraq in the army. And he said none of the four were Iraqis. They were all foreigners. This is a this is a really a draw from all over the world of terrorists from all over the world to go in there and fight the Americans. And uh, if uh, a lot of people say if we don't fight them there, we'll have to fight them here. And of course that's uh, that sounds really bad for New York City, doesn't it? But uh, let's pray that God will do something special there. And uh, I uh, I am starting to open up the northern part of Iraq with uh, a number of. Uh, of uh, Iraqi immigrants in Jordan. Uh, it seems like that uh, the Kurds and the people of northern Iraq are more open to the gospel than they are in Baghdad. Baghdad, you know, is a compilation of a lot of different peoples. You know, there's a lot of foreigners in Baghdad and uh, a lot of Russians there, surprisingly. How many are doing business there? And uh, others, you know, we. We met families that uh, were from England, people living there doing business there, and uh, had the second or third generation. And so uh, please pray for us that we could uh, continue. I, I don't know what's going to be the uh, status of the Christians as the Americans pull out, but they, they say they're going to start a pullout real soon uh, because of the politics in America, the pressure that's going on. Pray that God would bless our Christians over there and that we might be able to continue and not only continue but that the northern part of Iraq, and that's Mosul, which is old Nineveh in the Bible. It's where Jonah went, was Nineveh, and that's Mosul. And from Mosul all up in that whole area, it looks like it's uh, wide open for us to get the gospel in through some of our Iraqi preachers that we have trained in Jordan. So pray for us. I do need to raise a lot of money for this project of getting them in there. And uh, so uh, pray that God will bless us. Put us on your prayer list. We really ought to pray. You know, I think it's more important to send Bibles over there than bombs. Don't you? And so let's pray that, uh, you know, the Bible saves people. Bombs kill people. But uh, uh, hard to decide really what has to be done there politically, but but uh, we want to get the gospel in there and we want to win them to Christ. All right, the book of Revelation deals with the future. And uh, what the future is, and it's kind of a rundown of what's going to happen, the next thing on God's agenda is the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we call it. It's really not the second coming, but we call it that. 
we'd better probably best say the next coming, the rapture. When he comes and gets all these people, all these Christians out of here, he's going to come just like he left. The Bible tells us that in uh, the book of Acts, uh, chapter 1, that this same Jesus that you've seen go up into heaven will come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. So I believe he's going to come back to the Mount of Olives, that's where he left, and was ascended up into heaven. And I believe he's going to come back there. I believe he's going to come in a cloud. That's what the Bible says that uh, took him away. And uh, it'll probably be night here because it was day there when he was uh, uh, when he ascended up into heaven. That's the next thing that's happened. And when he comes, he's going to take all of God's people, all the born again people, out of here and take them up into heaven. And we're going to be up there seven years now. What I really believe is, I think that at that moment of time when he comes, I think that there will be a war in the mountains of Israel. Ezekiel chapter 38 tells about that war. That's going to be fought in the mountains of Israel. God's going to destroy the armies from the north that come down to attack Israel. And he's going to destroy them with natural causes. And the war is going to be in the mountains. Now those natural causes are overflowing rain, a flood. It's going to be hailstones that fall out of heaven. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be uh, uh, lightning flashing and brimstone burning, uh, burning earth when the, flash, when the lightning flashes. That's what God's going to use to destroy that army. And then right at the end of the tribulation or the seven-year period, when we're up in heaven seven years, uh, God's going to bring another uh, war to, to place, and that's going to be the armies of the east. And they're going to come across Iraq, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 9 and chapter 16, they're going to come across Iraq, and they're going to come across the river Euphrates, and they're going to attack, and God is going to melt those armies. Now, it's not, it's not a, an atomic blast, as some people have said, because that would burn them up, but God's going to melt them. And you may have heard that the blood is going to be deep as the horse's bridle, and uh, that's going to be because God's going to turn them into blood. And those big armies that comes across the, from the east is going to come over there, and they're going to uh, be destroyed that way. But that isn't the last army. That's called the Armageddon. But that isn't the last army, and that's not the last battle. The uh, Bible tells us that there's another battle. Because, you see, after the Armageddon battle, then the Lord is going to come back to earth again, and He's going to bring us with Him. Am I, am I confusing you? I hope not. But uh, He's going to come back to this earth again. He's going to bring us with Him. We'll be up in heaven for seven years. We'll come back with Jesus on earth. And the Lord is going to establish, right here on this earth, His complete kingdom. And He's going to take it over. And we're going to be with the Lord for a thousand years on this earth. Uh, we're going to, the Lord's going to set up a kingdom. It's going to, it's going to be in Jerusalem. And all the uh, area for many, many miles around Jerusalem is going to rise up like a plain. It's all going to be a, a flat place, a big flat place. And we're going to inhabit that flat land with the Lord on His throne in Jerusalem. And He's going to rule and control the earth. Now, after that's over, after the 
after this thousand-year reign is over, then Revelation 20 and uh, verse 7 takes place. And it says, And when the thousand years were expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. Now, during the thousand-year reign of Christ, Satan is going to be put into, uh, into incarceration. And uh, at this time, he's going to be let out of his prison. Now, you would think that by now, Satan would learn something, wouldn't you? It's amazing to me how, though Satan knows so very much, it's amazing to me how that he really never learns, and it really never affects him. His goal is to take over the earth. His goal is to take over your life. His goal is to conquer even God himself and set his throne above God. But uh, he's put in a prison for a thousand years. Now in verse 11, uh, 7, he is let out of his prison, and the Bible says, and shall go to deceive the nations. Now, during that thousand-year reign of Christ, the nations will be still in operation, but they will be under the control of the Lord. He's going to set the rules. And it's going to be an entirely different world than what we've got now. I mean, God is going to, uh, God is going to set up His rules, and uh, there's not going to be any violence and crime because the Lord's going to take care of that. There's not going to be any drunkenness. There's not going to be a harlotry. There's not going to be any need, uh, any need for uh, judges and policemen and courts because the Lord is going to set up His. But after that thousand-year reign is over, God's going to turn Satan loose again. You know, it's amazing to me also what God will do to prove a point to Satan. That, uh, that really is a, that's an amazing thing. The Lord is, uh, is attempting to prove a point to Satan, and yet Satan doesn't learn. And he's going to get out of his prison, and he's going to go out, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> he's going to go out, and he's going to gather up the nations and uh, which are in the four quarters of the earth in verse number 8 uh, and uh, uh, earth Gog and Magog to gather them together to battle the number of whom is the sand of the sea now he's going to gather all of these nations to battle against God again he's going to try to take over the universe he's going to try to take over the earth He's going to try to take over heaven. He's going to try to exalt his throne above God's. But in verse number 9, And they went upon the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints of Baal. He's going to come up to Jerusalem where, uh, where the saints are. That's where we are. And he's going to bring an army up there hoping, hoping to conquer the city of Jerusalem, the beloved city and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Now, this time, God is going to use fire. Someone said it's going to be an atomic bomb. Well, God doesn't have to have a bomb. God can just speak the words, and it will happen. But anyhow, God's going to use fire to devour those armies. Can you imagine such war and such battle that is coming on this earth? It's amazing. First, there is the battle of Ezekiel chapter 38 where God destroys the armies that march against Jerusalem in the mountains of Israel with natural means. Secondly, 
there's the armies of the east that'll march across. And when they march across and come over, they're going to uh, be faced with God's uh, great judgment. And God's going to uh, melt them. And that's called the Battle of Armageddon. And you've heard that, no doubt. And then, lastly, is this battle. <laughs> now, the greater wars that have been fought in this world have been nothing compared to the wars of the future. You know, we, we sit here in, in this uh, nice, peaceful place this morning, and we come in here well-fed uh, and well-rested, and, and uh, we've enjoyed a good night of security and sleep. But I'll tell you, the world is headed for dark despair. And I don't want to be just a, uh, a uh, doomsday preacher, but I do want to say that we Christians ought to get ready for this because uh, the world is going to change and it's going to be changing, and it may change a lot before the Lord comes because all these big wars are going to take place. And this last war uh, that's going to take place, God is going to devour them with fire out of heaven. First is with the natural causes of rain and hail and lightning. The second one is with the melting of the armies. Now this one is with fire. And this is going to take a place right around Jerusalem. And uh, it's, going to be, it's going to be a terrible battle, a terrible destruction. And verse 10 says, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. So whatever what happens here after this big war takes place, Satan is going to be bound and he's going to be cast into the lake of fire and he's never ever going to get out. He's going to be there for eternity. That's the end of him. But uh, what happens then is verse 11 down through verse 15 God then, after all of this, sets up a judgment. And this is what it says. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, and this is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. Now what's God going to do is He's going to set up a judgment it's going to, we call it the great white throne judgment. And if you really look at this, you'll find that there's no grace there. There's no mercy there. I don't find that even Jesus Christ is there. And the Holy Spirit may not even be there. But it's God the Father. And there's going to be this great white throne judgment. And all the people that have not received Jesus Christ as their Savior they're going to have to stand in that judgment. Now, it's a fearful thing to be brought into the uh, presence of a judge, especially if you're guilty. We've had uh, some of our friends recently uh, had to uh, 
uh, for one reason or another. Some of them, I think, are unjust. But uh, some of our friends have had to go before a judge and be condemned to prison. And, uh, I, I, you know, uh, it, uh, it really surprises me and it really shocks me to think of that. And if I, if I imagine myself in their position, I, I tell you it's a fearful thing. But it would be a fearful thing, would it not, to be standing in the presence of a judge who could control the rest of your life in, in the destiny of the rest of your days on this earth by his decision. And it would be a terrible, fearful thing to hear him condemn you to prison for the rest of your life. That would be a fearful thing. One of the people that I was talking about was a man who, before he got saved, was in uh, the dope traffic, and, and he was arrested, got caught, and it was a terrible thing. He, he uh, <laughs> had to stand before the judge. I mean, he'd been saved, but he still, the things he'd done before he was saved was very illegal, and he had to stand before the judge. And uh, he, uh, he, he, we were there in the trial. We, sent, we attended the trial just kind of to support him as best we could because he had become a good friend of ours. But what he had done really uh, had caused him to, uh, to be in that position, and, and really rightfully so. I mean, it was, uh, he had done it. He, he, said, he said in the trial, I, I'm guilty and I deserve it. And uh, she gave him, I mean, the judge gave him 16 years in prison. And I'll never forget as long as I live. When they, after the judge hit the gavel, uh, hit the desk with his gavel, and gave him 16 years in prison, and there, you know, with, with no parole, he was going to go to 16 years in prison. I'll never forget as long as I live those officials coming in there and putting those handcuffs on him and taking his belt off and taking all the stuff out of his pockets and marching him out. I'll never forget his wife weeping, his children weeping, and uh, the sobs and cries that were in that courtroom. I, I just, uh, I mean, it's a fearful thing. It's a really a fearful thing. And after this last big war, God sets up his judgment. And it's going to be a fearful time. And people are going to be judged out of the books of God. You see, God keeps a record of everything we do. Everything we do, everything we say, Everything we think, God keeps a record of that. And, uh, hey, that's all going to be exposed in this uh, great trial here in verse 11 down through verse 15. And uh, it's going to be a fearful thing. And uh, those who are not saved, who do not have their names written in the Lamb's book of life, which is the roll book of heaven, if you get your name on the Lamb's book of life, then... You're, 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 you have a right. And in fact, you have access to heaven for eternity. But those that don't have that, those that are not saved, are going to be condemned into hell, into the lake of fire forever. And the Bible says that all the universe, all the people in the grave, all the people in, in hell are going to be brought up to stand at this judgment. The Bible doesn't say how long this will take. I have no idea how long this will take. But that's a great thing that's going to happen. It's going to be a fearful day. And then after that, chapter 21, 
and chapter 22 says that God is going to renovate the earth with fire. He's going to burn the earth with fire. And then out of heaven, God is going to bring down out of heaven New Jerusalem and set it on the earth. And that's going to be for us to occupy then for eternity. I just thought I would give you a little rundown of what is going to happen in the future. There's going to be wars and wars and rumors of wars. And when those wars are all over and done, Satan is going to be bound and cast into the lake of fire. And then the great judgment is going to come. And after that great judgment, then the Lord is going to renovate the earth with fire, burn the fire up, burn the earth up. That is to say, the, uh, the outer core of the earth is going to be burned up. And then God is going to redo it. And He's going to bring New Jerusalem down out of heaven. It's being built up there right now, New Jerusalem is. They're building it right now. And He's going to bring that down out of heaven, and He's going to set it on the earth. And the earth, I think, will be just one great, big, beautiful garden. And uh, we'll be living on it uh, with joy and happiness <coughs> forever and ever. That's the promise of the future. That's the joy that we have in our hearts as Christians, to know that our future is bright because we're going to live with God in New Jerusalem for eternity. Uh, a lot of things are going to happen. Now, I'm telling you today, if you're not right with God, you need to get right with God. Because all these things are starting to take place. And we're going to see these things happen. First, the Lord's going to come and take all of His people out of here. Well, I want to be ready and right with God when Jesus comes. I don't want to be embarrassed at His presence by a life that's careful, a careless and uh, selfish and wicked and involved in uh, a lot of the wicked things of this world. I want to be ready to meet Him when He comes. And then after that, of course, the Lord's going to take us up into heaven. We'll be up there seven years. And after that seven years is over, we're coming back to, with Him to rule and reign with Him for a thousand years. And then finally the last war and the judgment will take place. I want to give you just a little bird's eye view of what's going to happen in the future. And it's really exciting. It's all right here in the Bible. You can study it for yourself. Read uh, the... 20th chapter of the book of Revelation, 21st and 22nd chapters, it'll give you a good, good, good bird's eye view of what's happening in the future. All right, let's bow our heads in prayer. By the way, I'll be here after service if you'd like to talk to me about this or talk to, to me about what we're doing uh, with the Arabic Bibles in the world, and I'd be happy to talk to you about it. Father in heaven, we thank you this morning for the blessings that you have given us. And we know that uh, the future of God, uh, the future uh, is for God's people is a bright and glorious thing. And we're looking forward to that wonderful day when the Lord comes and takes us out of here. And we're looking forward to living with Him for eternity in New Jerusalem. Bless, I pray, everything that we do and say. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you.